Corn Syrup, a horror podcast. I'm Tyler. Hey guys, I'm Mike. I mean, this is this is the Valentine's Day podcast right here. This is man, and you know, you know, with Valentine's Day, there's not really much to pick from. I feel like Christmas is like yeah. uh, like the prime holiday horror movie uh, selection, um, and obviously Halloween. Uh, but Valentine's Day, you know, it's, it's kind of like a forced holiday. You know, when you want to make a oh, horror yeah. movie. Like, you're not going to get any, you know, fucking classics with what we're going to be talking about today. But today we're talking about probably the first movie or movies that come to mind when you're talking about Valentine's Day. That's My Bloody Valentine, the original, which came out in 81. And then we have the remake. Uh, it's actually titled My Bloody Valentine 3D, came out in 2009. So we'll be doing another original versus remake. We've done a few of these already where we go movie by movie, we rank them. We rank each movie based on five categories on a scale of one to 10 for each of us uh, for a um, a singular total of 50, for a grand total of 100. And we'll start, again, our categories, acting, entertainment, music, scares, writing. We'll start in alphabetical order. I'll kick it off. We'll start with acting. And this is for the original, My Bloody Valentine. This movie felt very Friday the 13th to me. And it kind of felt like a, like one of the the more poor Friday the 13th sequels. Um, all of the characters, and again, this is maybe more for the writing, but all of the characters really just had like one character trait. Like all the guys were goofy. And, you know, everybody was just partying the whole time. The, the acting, it's not like a real detriment to the movie because I kind of knew what to expect, but it's not good. Like the the lead actor, TJ, the final guy, if you will, it's almost like they took all of the actors in the movie, put all of their names in a hat, and they and they picked out of a hat to see who would be the, the lead actor. And it ended up being Paul Kelman who plays TJ. And and he's not good. Like the fight scene between him and Axel, it's bad. It, it's cheesy, it's cheesy horror fare um, from the 80s. And some of the worst acting I'll just point out is that the clothing scene where all like the clothing is dropping from the ceiling and that Sylvia girl starts screaming. And it's it's kind of reminiscent of Friday Thirteenth Part Three, with that one scene with the terrible acting. Do you, you don't you don't oh, yeah with that uh, yeah oh yeah. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but it's not it's it's getting close it's, to that it's, level. It's not much better, yeah. And then the scene in the beginning where the mayor first opens up the, the box of chocolates and it's the heart, and he like, looks more like he's pissed off than actually like alarmed. Yeah. He's like, God damn it! And he goes. It can't be happening again, but <laughs> it's, the guy just keeps driving. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nobody stands out. Like nobody's good. It's all, like I said, it's cheesy eighties slasher acting. And for that reason, I, I gave it a three out of a 10. The acting in this is so, 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 so bad. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, we're not expecting much. So I don't, I wasn't holding them against it, you know, with how bad it was, but the characters are so forgettable. You know, I, I was taking notes and I'm like, uh, I'm like trying to think of everyone's name. I'm like, all right, there was Axel because that name stands out. Yeah. And then like, there's that guy. And then there, there was that girl. And then there was that other girl. And there was a guy <laughs> with the mustache that looked like uh, Wilford Brimley. And then there's Harry yeah. Warden who ended up being like, you know, one of the main characters, but he's really not in, in the movie the whole time. And um, so it's sad when like the name that like you remember most is Harry Warden. And he really didn't play a single, you know, he, he wasn't like, he was the most memorable part of the movie and he's not really even in it. Yeah, it's a really bad movie. Uh, it's a, it's not a bad movie. I'll get that later. But it's really bad acting. Uh, the characters uh, do suck. Um, I always thought about how maybe there wasn't a franchise to this movie or no sequels because the characters were so bad, you know? And yeah, um, 
you know, Friday the 13th at least had, you know, Kevin Bacon, you know, Halloween had Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street had like Johnny Depp. Like this is nowhere near to the level of those movies um, as far as acting. So um, I gave this a one out of 10, even with low expectations. How about it, man? You went even lower than me. I thought I, I thought maybe I was going low with a three, but okay, that's a total of four for the acting. Uh, let's go to entertainment. You want to kick that off, or you want me to start off with that? I think the kills in this are great. Um, great kills. The killer's really good. I think it's it's an effective killer. The the uh, miner, you know, pretty much steals every scene he's in, which is you know what a good slasher is uh, supposed to do. Uh, there were a lot of movies that were made in that time, like prom night and like slumber party massacre and uh april fool's day where it's a good plot but the killer himself is you know is not very good uh he's not scary he's not effective um in this movie uh harry warden i'll say that in quotes is a very good killer um he's scary and for me that's all it takes to entertain me really so um for entertainment i gave this a six out of ten okay yeah, I did too. I matched you with a six. Um, I love the scene. Uh, maybe I'm just easily entertained, but I love the scene in the laundromat where he kills Mabel and he yeah, walks in. Yeah, that's definitely he, one of the better kills. Yeah. Dude, did that not feel like Halloween? That the POV shot of him walking into the laundromat yep. and placing down the box. Um, very John Carpenter vibes there. I love the opening scene. It lets you know right off the bat, hey, you're watching a very unpretentious slasher movie. Right. You know, uh, I, I fucking love, love that opening. It's it's like such a retro opening. Yeah. You know, with the copyright, like 1981 at the bottom. I love you, it. You know, what's good stuff is the opening scene where he kills that girl in my head. I was like, did she not know who he was? I was thinking mask? that too. Yeah. But then like, in retrospect, she, she, she was knew fully that, ready to have sex with a random guy. But, but well, in retrospect, did she think, did she know that it was Axel? I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's something I don't think that even like the writers thought about, to be honest. Yeah. So like, why? So why should we? Um, I think I'm probably overthinking it. But anyway, yeah, I think I it really, was just like to set the tone. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I really did like the opening scene. By the way, this is this was my first time seeing this movie. I, I didn't say that at the jump start, but this was my first time. I I feel like it's a hard movie for people to get a hold of. Um, yeah. I know it's on Hulu now, so you know it might be a little more um, accessible. But uh, definitely, you know, like like. Us, when we were growing up, like we, we never heard of this movie, really. Never, never saw it, you know, at the at the video store. Yeah, I was in the final 25 minutes. Um, it does slow down a little bit, but there's also good shots of them in the mine underground um, that I like. And and for the most part, this is it's a standard 80s cheesy horror movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Right, exactly. I'm just, I lump it in with again a lot of like the the lower end Friday the Thirteenth sequels. You know, it, to me, it's right around there with from entertainment entertainment perspective. I would equate it to like a Jason Takes Manhattan. That's fair. Yeah, it's really fair. Um, you know, and you know, and this came out like before Friday the Thirteenth, uh, yeah. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and Halloween Two. You know, so this really didn't have a lot of like source material, you know. So um, for when it came out, you know, I I I think if if this movie was out in like 1987, it would definitely be a lot worse because look what's come out before. And well, no, I mean it, it does it does feel like this movie would have or should have came out after a bunch of Friday the Thirteenth sequels. Right. Um, it feel it certainly feels that way, but it's just not the case. Um, 
I, I you know, I give it credit for that. But for the most part, I, you know, I do lump it in with some of those less favorable, favorable Friday 13th anyway. But hey, right. that's to say, like, I don't, I don't like Friday 13th, a new beginning, but I'll watch the shit out of it. Of course. You know, and that's, that's the way I feel about this movie from an entertainment perspective. So we each gave it that's a why six. I kind of, yeah. And I, like, I lumped it in with like prom night and April Fool's yeah. Day and Slumber Party Massacres. I, cause I feel like it's like that, you know, vibe. I think prom night is like almost the perfect comparison for this movie, by the way. Right. Um, but anyway, you gave it a six for entertainment and I did as well. So that is a total of um, 12 for entertainment. And then we'll move on to music. Um, I, I can start out. To me, this is like, the, the more we watch these movies, um, the more I can appreciate music. And one of the things I, I didn't understand as a kid was I thought you needed a really big budget to have like a really impactful score. And that's just flat out not the case at all. Um, so for me, I was expecting, I was hoping, I wasn't expecting much at all, but I was hoping for something better, something at all. And there's just like nothing there. I thought it was funny, yeah. like in, in the first half of the movie, toward the beginning there, there was like that rodeo music, which reminded me again of Friday the 13th, because you get that right. in the original. Um, the final 13 minutes, you do get somewhat of a like original score, like when they're in the mine um, and the movie's getting ready to come to a close. But it's it's disappointing considering, you know, the the obvious influences this movie was drawing from, such, such as a Halloween, or even a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which had a pretty right. decent but simple score. And to be honest, it made me think of Black Christmas, which I think was 70, 74? Yes. And like how that movie didn't have a lot of music either, but it relied on that ambient noise that you and I spoke about with the wind mm -hmm. and and the snow and just footprints. And like this movie didn't have any of that either. So to me, it was really disappointing um i almost gave it a one but i gave it a two yeah uh you can't really go much higher than two i mean it's not like we were um, expecting you know like a han zimmer or like a no. danny elfman type soundtrack uh, but i gave it a one i mean it's got like the 80s porn music to start uh yeah it's got the rodeo music um so you know it's a one this really can't do anything with, like the, with what they gave us and like the corny love music like the the romantic music that you get like you know with the, the weird love triangle that's going on between sarah jesse mm -hmm. and uh and axel yeah it, it's pretty corny shit all around but okay that's a total of three for the music I'll, let's go on to uh scares and i'll let you kick that one off uh scares um i kind of put it right up there with the entertainment um i think the gruesome kills in this movie they they carry all the scares there's not many jump scares in this movie, um, but I think that the chase scenes are actually pretty well done. Um, I know you mentioned earlier the uh, laundry uh, mat scene is really good. And I brought up how Harry Warden, in quotes, is a very good killer, very effective, scary and antagonist in this movie. Um, I gave it a six out of ten. For okay. scares. I gave it a four. And the only thing sometimes I think I'm too hard on this stuff because, like, like I said, you and I, it just takes a lot to scare us because we've seen so many goddamn horror movies. It's like a blessing and a curse sometimes. But I, um, you know, I just didn't find it scary just because, like, for me, I need, I need something to be really scary for it to be scary. And you could tell this movie was pretty censored by the MPAA. Um, and I think it would have been a lot scarier if it wasn't. Like, there was a, a few off-screen kills. For example, Mabel was actually an off-screen kill. Like the scene leading up to it was really good. 
but then they, they don't actually show her die. I think they, right. they show her in the in the in the dryer. I think mm-hmm. afterwards. But yeah, I mean, there, there were some off-screen kills. There were some quick cuts. You could tell they were pretty careful not to show a lot of blood at times. And for me, that also um, impacted it. Like for example, the the boiling water kill where he dunked the guy's head into the water. Like if they just held that there for a little bit longer, it could have been so that's much, scary. Yeah, it could have been so much better. But I understand. Also, that that's not the movie's fault, by the way. That's the MPAA. So it's not. Yeah, and if you've actually, I think if you go online and you search those scenes, which which I have seen, and that and maybe that's why I think it's maybe a little bit scarier than it actually is. Um, then you'll see, you know, all all the uncut shit that they actually filmed, and um, it comes out really fucking good because the practical effects in this movie are awesome awesome yeah i'll have to check that out okay so anyway i gave it a four you gave it a six so that's a total of 10 for the uh for the scares and again this is the 1981 my bloody valentine let's move on to the writing um i'll start with this i was conflicted here for for a few reasons what town What town it's a cele- small town in uh, Quebec, I think. What town celebrates Valentine's Day like this? <laughs> uh, it'd be a small town in Quebec. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I don't know. I thought no one was, fucking does. It's so weird, dude. Like, who gives a shit about Valentine's Day? Um, and the, the goofy characters we spoke about, it, again, it reminds me of a cheesy Friday 13th, but it's also like, it's over the top at times. The characters are so, so bad. The fact that they didn't call in more police force because of the familiar trope of like, we don't want to cause a panic in the town. Right. Yeah. So let's just have everyone fucking slowly get killed. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I know maybe I'm being too harsh, but I, I that sometimes that, that trope bothers no, me fair. a little bit. Um, Axel's reveal, it's not bad. It's not bad. It, it's a little like goofy, and I kind of, I kind of feel like it's the type of twist or reveal that if it happened in, in modern horror, it would be, it would be pan- terrible. It would be panned so bad. You know, like they only showed that one scene in the beginning where he killed his dad and they go back to it at the end and, oh, he's hiding under the bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that happened. It just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen today because if it did, it would be, it would be fucking skewered by critics. Yes, it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I gave it a four for writing. Okay. Um, I actually think the writing is okay um, in this mm-hmm. movie. Like you still get the whole vibe of this town and for some reason their random love for Valentine's day. I do think that the first act is actually pretty good. I think the second act sucks and I think the third mm-hmm. act is okay. So, I mean, this movie goes from bad, from good to bad to okay, which is, you know, and you know, like the final verdict of, of this movie is that it's okay. You pretty much covered it all with, you know, the face reveal or, you know, with, with the whole axle thing uh, uh it was underwhelming but you know you're not expecting some epic you know fucking ending with this movie uh so I, I really do think as far as writing you know the best thing that they could do is you know set the tone for this you know small canadian town wh- wherever the fuck they're from and um i think they do that actually pretty well so that's why i gave this a six out of ten all right, so that's a total of uh, 10 between the two of us for writing. And so if we add mine up, I have a total of 19 out of 50 for this movie. What did you end up with? I have a 20 out of 50. Yeah, it seems about right, man. Um, 
I think we're often on the same wavelength when it comes to this stuff. Like this is a movie. Yeah. It, this is a movie that to me, it most people are going to watch this movie and think that it's like painfully average, probably. Right. Where where they don't ever want to watch it again. Like they'd rather just watch anything else. But this is a movie for me. Uh, it has that that cheap '80s feel that I just have a soft spot for. That like I'll watch this every Valentine's Day. I don't right. care. As long as like there's a guy that's in the mask and he's killing people, then you know I'll fucking sit down for ninety minutes and watch that shit all day. Yeah. So that's a total. That's a total of thirty nine for the nineteen eighty one My Bloody Valentine, and that's thirty nine out of one hundred. That doesn't sound that good, but honestly, we're, we're we are pretty tough critics. Like I think. What did we give the original Black Christmas? It was only... We were like, assholes, for sure, yeah. Uh, that, that was, what, a 14 or 15-ish? Like, somewhere in that range? Well, for the not for the original Black Christmas. Oh, for the original, yeah. I think that... Uh, what that make it up to? Like, a 73? Yeah, and, and we and after... You know, we, we thought that it was, like, a great movie, but then we ended up with only a 73 out of 100. And we were like, oh, right. did, we, did we shortchange this thing? Right. But, yeah, I think 39 out of 100 is about right for this. Um, yeah, I wonder what we would give like Texas Chainsaw and like Halloween if we ever like went through the same rankings, you know, or like went through, you know, like the same way of ranking these. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe it's like, close to like, like we say it's an awesome movie and then we end up giving it like a 71. We're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, look, I think, I think Black Christmas is, is awesome. So it's a great fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this movie was made just real quick. We'll go through the, um, statistics here for lack of a better word uh it had a 2.3 million dollar budget again this is 1981 um modest success i guess they basically doubled the budget uh generated 5.7 million in the box office uh approximately nine- but, uh, you're such a dumbass it was 2.3 million dollars in canadian money it was actually uh, 1.9 million dollars in ooh. u.s money <laughs> so the next time you try to take my fucking job uh you know i don't do Get your fucking facts straight, buddy. Uh, I gotta learn to stay in my lane, dude. Yeah. Uh, this, this Sorry. Series. Sorry about that to my cornies. Um, <laughs> it was actually made on a $5.6 million budget in Canada dollars. And that equals 4.3 in US dollars. Okay. Okay, Tyler, you can get back to whatever you were talking about. I stand corrected. Uh, yes. So we, we spoke about the censorship. Nine minutes approximately was cut off by the MPAA. Right. Really a shame. Nothing new here, though, with the slasher genre. Uh, but uh, Lionsgate in 09 did release a new edition with approximately approximately three minutes of that footage restored. Um, I haven't seen that version. Maybe you, maybe that's some of the stuff that you saw on, online, maybe. It, yeah, it was. Um, it's like very grainy, like film. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's from 40 years ago and, you know, it was stuff that was tossed out. So it's not the best quality, but you still get a feel for the, the kills and, they are yep. graphic and and they're good, so I definitely uh, recommend anyone that can catch those to watch it. Two reasons for the censorship, and this is really speculation, but uh, the studio did receive some backlash from Friday the Thirteenth for being too violent. Uh, I guess that's understandable. And then John Lennon was murdered in December of nineteen eighty, just a few months before this movie uh, came out. So people were really um, we we spoke about a movie that came out after Columbine, and it was really heavily oh Scream Three, Scream Three, yep. So when stuff like that happens, man, people get really uh, sensitive about violence. On edge, right. Yeah, so I guess that's another another reason there. Um, Directed by George Mahalka, who actually is still working, hasn't done a whole lot, but he directed a movie just a few years ago. I didn't write down what it was, but um, he is still working. And um, (laughs) uh, uh, 
I got a bone to pick with Quentin Tarantino, man. He's a strange bird because he's on he's on record of saying this is his favorite slasher. Uh, really? Like of all the of all the slashers, and I'm not coming down hard on this movie, but how is how could this possibly be your favorite? Right, and like he's he's the same guy that was shitting on um, It Follows, dude. I know, like a and, small indie film where he's this big hot shot, you know, and. Like to pick this film as a slasher, like yeah, it's not bad, but come on, man. Like, and me, me and Chelsea, you're just, just trying to like like too hard to be different. Exactly. Me and Chelsea were just talking about him and his it follows criticisms. He because he was also on record saying uh, the Psycho remake. He prefers that over Hitchcock's version. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, he, I don't even. I don't. I I can't. I can't believe that you actually think that. There's no way. Some people just say shit so that you know they stay like relevant and. But he's not like one of those people that needs to do that because he's a great filmmaker. Yeah. So I really don't understand it. Um, he's like this evil. movie. I would like. I would probably put this movie like top twenty five slashers maybe of all time. Actually, no, I don't know. I was like we because if we did like if we put this movie in our top fifty slashers, like where do you think this would be? Like somewhere in the forties, maybe right? Like probably, early, probably. like late like late thirties, early forties. Like early forties. Yeah, man, you got to think about all the, like the sequels that you prefer over this movie. I mean, I prefer right. a lot of the Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare. Straight. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot up there. Um, yeah, maybe maybe thirty something at best. I would imagine. Right. Uh, yeah, Tarantino is like equally one of my favorite directors, and also like a pain in the ass that bothers me right. sometimes. Um, but anyway, okay, let's move on. Uh, just to reiterate, that's a thirty-nine out of one hundred for the original, My Bloody Valentine from nineteen eighty-one, and let's move on to the uh, the remake. Came out in two thousand nine. It's technically called My Bloody Valentine three D because it was util- utilizing that uh, that three D, which was hot at the time. Um, oh yeah. So let's get into it. This is, uh, we'll start with the acting. Um, I'll start here. Right. The uh, the acting in this movie felt very hallmarky at times. Um, I, I don't I don't think it's terrible. I mean, you, you do get Tom Atkins, although I wish he was better in this movie. And I think that's more of like a detriment to the writing. I mean, look, dude, I'll watch Tom Atkins in just about anything. I think that Stu's awesome. He, he's like a, just a big ball of nostalgia for me. Right. But, I actually, I don't think he's like great in this movie, but I actually don't think that's his fault, really. Man, the guy who plays uh, Tom, the lead in this, r- reminds me of someone that reminds me of somebody that okay, I swear to God, this was my thought. He reminded me of somebody that would be in a CW show. And, and I'm pretty I, sure he like stars in this yes. CW show, right? Okay. And then in doing research after I watched the movie, he was in like Super Supernatural, which I. I think is a vampire show i'm not positive okay. on that but that's a cw show uh fuck there was another one here i wrote down uh smallville which is a cw show of course, yeah. he just feels like a young teen like a young adult actor you know that like teenage, exactly that teenagers would love like teenage girls the mood the, the acting is not this movie strong suit and i like this movie but I, the, the acting is not the movie strong suit uh kerr smith who we know from final destination is definitely a better supporting guy than he is when he's given this much screen right. time. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Sarah, who is played by Jamie King, is a very successful model, and I would venture a safe guess and say she's a better model than she is actress. God, after everything I just said, I, I think I gave it the benefit of the doubt a little bit. I gave it a four. Everything you said was spot on. I do love Tom Atkins. Uh, I think I just like seeing him more than I actually liked him in this movie. Um, yeah. 
and everyone else just kind of just falls in line, you know, um, after Jamie King's uh, character and Kurt Smith's character. You really don't give a shit about everyone, anyone else. I think the third act in this movie is probably the best, and I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's, like, the least amount of dialogue going on, like, in the chase scenes and all that. Right. Th- that's when the movie is at its best, and that's not a coincidence. I do think just because it's more modern than, you know, the 81 version, uh, it's better. Yeah. And with a bigger budget, you know, you can hopefully get some better actors, which they barely did. So um, that's why I'll give this a three out of ten. Okay. That's a total of a seven. thing, And then we'll go to the entertainment for the 09 remake. And uh, I'll let you I'll let you take that one away. So much like the original, uh, I really do like the uh, kills in this movie. you know, I think it keeps you your eyes glued to the movie to see, you know, who's going to die next, um, even if you don't really care about the characters. Um, the CGI kind of can, like, ruin it for this movie at times, especially with some of the kills. Like, the first kill with the, the girl who, like, gets the shovel, uh, the, uh, the uh, shovel put in her mouth. And, yeah. Like, I don't know how much that has to do with entertainment, but, uh, you know, that kind of, like, drew my interest away from it for, a, like, a little bit just a just how bad it was. Uh, the third act of this movie is relatively entertaining with like the reveal and everything. Um, also like the, the, the original, uh, the middle of this movie is just so goddamn boring. Um, it's a little bit better than the 81 version, but um, you know, this movie did lose me at times and the 3d, obviously I don't give a shit about that. Uh, there's no entertaining part about that for yeah. me. The kills are still really good. Um, I think it's a fun movie to watch on Valentine's Day still, much like the original. So I give it a 6 out of 10 for entertainment. It's definitely more of a uh, gratuitous movie where, you know, it's not heavily censored. There's no quick cuts. They they, When when the minor kills somebody, they really linger on the kills. So you do get a lot lot more blood. Uh, the, The effects are not good, but I'm not really watching this movie for the effects anyway. Uh, and it definitely wouldn't be like a 2000s movie if it wasn't for a really graphic sex scene. Right. And, uh, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I fucking was getting some like Halloween, like Rob, Rob Zombie yeah. feel from watching that shit. Do you know who that guy was? Yeah, he uh, wrote uh, Jason X, right? And, and he wrote, he wrote, the, he wrote this he wrote, movie. Right. Todd Farmer. Todd um, Farmer, yeah, he's he's the uh, dude in Jason X that like is killed in like laser tag or whatever. Yeah, the virtual right. reality thing or whatever you That's call it. that. Yeah, that scene and he shows his butt in this movie. Like, dude, <laughs> like you. Yeah, it's like that's you, the, that's what you, we want to say. You wrote yourself into this movie showing your butt. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? But anyway, um, I didn't. You know, it's just like you know what decade this movie's from from watching that scene. Uh, the kills, the kills are actually like they're almost funny at times when he kills the midget lady. Lifts her up into right. the ceiling. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, two of my favorite scenes in the movie was the the supermarket scene with Sarah and Megan barricading themselves into that little office area. Uh, Tom Atkins' death is is great, and probably actually, the the best death of the movie for yeah, sure. And I think one of the the better scenes of the entire movie, the whole sequence leading up to it, um, where his mm-hmm. partner partner goes into the house or whatever. Uh, pretty good stuff there, and and, and yeah, it's, I mean, for really to be honest, for the most part, it's a pretty fun movie um the middle like you said it does feel very uh soap opera-esque at times becomes a drag at times but for the most part it's a pretty fun movie um and i gave it a seven 
out of 10. So that's a total of 13 for the entertainment. Um, and then we will move on to the music. It's an improvement over the original, considering the original had basically nothing. And I was actually kind of generous with this score. Um, there, there's a one really good piece of music when Tom first returns and like he's overlooking the mine, if you can kind of envision that in your head. Uh, but it's like, you know, a good rock piece with a good drum beat. Um, and then that, unfortunately, that music goes away for pretty much the entirety of the movie until the very end when the reveal happens. In between, there's really not a whole lot. But I, I gave it some major points for that one piece of music because honestly, that's that's something similar to what we get in 28 Days Later. Like that, that is something I would go on YouTube and listen to when I was just bullshitting around listening to music from horror movies. So um, I really thought it was that good. It's a shame that they didn't use it more. I don't know why they didn't, but I, I gave the music a six and I pr it's probably generous, but I, I really thought that one piece of music that we got was really good. You're definitely more of like music head than than I am. Like I can name like maybe like ten bands. I can <laughs> name like ten ten thousand. Um, I I did pick up on that on that score that you were talking about. You know, with um, the scene with Tom, and that's all I really was able to get from it. Um, mm -hmm. From from the whole movie was that one scene. So I gave it a two out of ten. Okay, because I'm kind of ignorant to the whole thing. No, and now uh, that, you know, after hearing what you had to say about it, I kind of do wish I paid a little bit more attention to it because um, I no, just assumed that this movie would be like a two or a three with music. And uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't looking too much into it. And you just opened up my eyes. And now I hope well, I can get that score and uh, or, you know, that name and uh, look it up on YouTube and listen to it. Not that I feel like I had to defend you or anything, but the, the two, you're not wrong in terms of like the the amount of usage it gets. Right. Because like it comes and goes quickly and then it comes back at the very end. It honestly, like if they had used that music similar to what um who directs 28 days later? Danny That was Danny Boyle, yeah. The way they use that music where like they played that music at every suspenseful turn. If this movie had done that with this piece of music, I'm not saying it's as good as that music, but if they had done that, something similar to what 28 Days Later did, it could have been pretty badass. Um, right, and instead they only used it twice, which is really bizarre. So, like the fact that like the music's good, like helps it, but the fact that they don't use it as yeah. much as they should kind of brings it down a bit. You know, like to be, to be when, honest, when I, like you have gold, you fucking you fucking use it, man. Yeah, it's, it's only it only it can only enhance this movie. So I don't know what they were thinking there, but honestly, I think I probably went too high with a six, and you probably went too low with it too, because for different right. reasons. But anyway, that's a total of eight for the music. And uh, we will go on to the the scares uh, for the 09 remake. And if you want to take that away, I will. I'll let you go ahead. Sure. Um, you got more graphic kills in this movie, which uh, I like, you know, and you made a great point about how, like, how we kind of spend a little more, a little bit more time with the killer and, and his victims. Unlike in the original where, you know, there's a lot of like quick editing and, you know, we don't really see too much um, with this movie. They at least show you everything. Uh, so it makes it a little bit more scarier. Um, I think this movie is actually a lot scarier than most of the bullshit remakes that were coming out around this time. Yeah. Uh, whereas like the 1981 movie was like slapped like right in the middle of like the slasher movie craze. This movie was like right in the middle of all like the remakes, like, uh, you know, phase 
but still manages to kind of stick out from, you know, those terrible ones from like the late 2000s. And um, I do think it's a scary, it's a relatively scary movie. Um, it's obviously very cheesy at times and mm-hmm. it's obviously not a great movie by any means. But I think the chase scenes are actually really effective. I think they're better in this movie than they are in uh, 1981. I'm going to give it a four out of 10 for scares. Okay. Yeah, to your point, um, the, the minor or the killer in this movie definitely more physical and feels more of a threat, I guess. Probably because we do spend a lot more time with them. Uh, the the idea of the movie creating suspense where you don't know who the killer is. You think you know who the killer is if you've seen the original. Right. But the but the fact that Tom and Axel really, you know, you don't you don't really know who is who and that creates suspense, which to me, you know, is a bump up for for the scariness. And also the characters that die in this movie, they they feel more important. Whereas in the original, it's just some goofy drunk idiot who gets killed repeatedly or some goofy drunk girl. Whereas this one, like Tom Atkins dies, that Megan girl, well, you kind of knew that Megan girl was going to die. Um, right. But, you know, Tom Atkins. And then there's a couple other people that feel somewhat important to the storyline that die. And to me, that's, you know, that's scary. When everybody's fair game like that, it's it it makes the movie scarier. Of course, yeah. And that's about it. I do think it's I do think it's scarier. It's hard to compare an 09 to an 81 movie, but I do think it's scarier than the original. And like this, it's not Last House on the Left remake quality. That's really one of the best remakes of all time. I don't think that that's not that's not a stupid thing to say, is it? I, um, I don't think so. No, I think we're we're both on record of saying that how good that movie is. God, it's amazing how uncorny that movie is. Like that movie just feels so fucking legitimate. Right. Whereas this movie, you still get a lot of that corny. It's a movie that really had no business being good and somehow like managed to hit it out of the fucking park. Yeah. But anyway, I gave this... Uh, did you give this a four for scares? I gave this a four, yeah. Okay, I gave it a five. So that's a total of a nine for scares. And then uh, we will wrap it up with the writing for the remake. This was... It's hard. I mean, I think they took you know, the, the original and they made some changes to it. And I think a lot of those changes were better. I I don't know how to really articulate it, but I think that the script itself is actually pretty bad, but like the direction that the script took the movie in was good. Like the actual lines that the actors had to deliver were pretty fucking bad at times. Um, Like in the hospital scene where Kerr Smith, who plays Axel, uh, they're arguing over his wife. And he's like, this is the lady I sleep next to and have sex with. And he, like, <laughs> like, nobody would say that, man. You know, you don't have to say that out loud. But, like, it's too melodramatic at times, um, the script. But I'll give it credit. that where The direction that they take the movie in, the twist reveal at the end, where it ends up being Tom, and Tom is some, you know, he's basically like a fucked up schizophrenic or something. You know, I don't know if that is like a ballsy twist or it's just necessary because it's not like you can just take the original and, and replicate it. I don't think, or else that would have just came off as super lazy. So I give them credit for the twist. I think regardless, it's pretty well done. I like how they mixed the, the dumbass Valentine's day celebration thing. Like it's not a town obsessed with Valentine's day. Cause that never ever felt realistic. Right. And I give him credit for killing off Tom Atkins with 30 minutes left because I don't think anybody – I didn't see that coming. I thought Tom Atkins was going to be there at the end shooting some dude's fucking brains out or something. So Right. That I, definitely took some balls to yeah. kill I, off and, T.A. like that. 
the writing again like the script itself is bad but the direction that they go in is pretty decent you know i like how they play head games with you know you don't know who the killer is um and again they end up switching that up which i think works so i gave it a I gave it a six, and the only thing that holds it back is the is the is the actual script itself. If that makes any sense, a lot like the nineteen eighty one script, but you know they kind of put their own little subplots. You know, so like you take like the Axel story, the Axel and Megan storyline, and you throw that in there, and they definitely made it better a little bit. Like they like modernized it from the eighty one script, which I like. I don't like how the how they took away um, like the cannibalism part of it. Uh, like you know, in nineteen eighty one, he eats you know, all the people that he's trapped in there with. And then this, you know, they just kind of turn it into like an intro with like, with like the newspaper clippings, which I hate. I, I hate when movies open that way. I think yeah. it's so lazy. kind of yeah. like a cop out. Took some points off for that. Cause you know, it's, I just can't stand that in any movie. I gave it a four out of 10 for writing. Um, not bad, but you know, I'm always going to dock your points when, when uh, you try and fit, you know, a whole plot into an intro. Real, real quick before we wrap up, you know what I thought would have been interesting is there was that little subplot that they explored for like five minutes where Tom wanted the mines to be shut down because he said they were unsafe. Right. And the town refused. And then they never went back to that. Right. Yeah. That that could have that could have been the plot. And then they just never went back to it. So whatever. Um, yeah. And he, and he never really like he, he mentions how uh, it's like outdated or something. And then. That's like that. Like you could have gone a lot of different ways. You know, that's actually like an interesting storyline, yeah. you know, yeah. but um, they just, you know, didn't go that route for some reason. Just like you said, it's a five minute plot. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really weird. Um, but anyway, you gave it a four. I gave it a six. That's a total of uh, 10 for the writing. And for me, that is a individual total of 28 for this movie. And I, that's a, that's a pretty big increase for me. I was at a 19 for the original. Yeah, I got a uh, 18 out of 50 on this. Uh, I, I think it's a step down from the 1981 version. Um, and I know yeah. 18 sounds kind of brutal for this movie. It's and it, like it sounds crazy because it's not it's not a movie I hate. But then you know when you, just, it's not like a movie that you really watch though for the acting or for the, or for the music or for the writing. And that's why you know this movie gets affected. Well, look, man, that's the first time we've ever differed on an opinion with one of these original versus remakes. We've always agreed. We agree that the, the the remake for Last House on the Le- Last House on the Left was better than the original. Obviously, the original Black Christmas is better than both. We did another one too. I can't you know, remember. and I'll and I'll be the first to say that I was very stubborn when I went into watching both these movies because I just wanted to, you know, and the whole time I knew that eighty one was better than uh, the two thousand nine version in in my eyes. Sure. You know, and after watching both. Um, Maybe I was a little too stubborn, but, you know, I still stick by my guns at 81 is two points better than 09. Not much, but I just like the the originality of 81. And that's really just all, you know, that's that's why I have it two points better. OK, uh, I hate to break it to you, man, but that that gives us an overall score of 46 out of 100 for um, the 09 remake and 39 for the 81. One of the, one wow, of these okay. one of these days you'll get me back where yeah <laughs> the, the total ends up working in your favor but for now look they're they're pretty even it's like what we said at the beginning you know I I think these are actually really fair scores because there's no there's no Valentine's Day movie that's that's gonna fucking knock our socks off uh, I I think these are fair ratings for 
yeah. a couple of okay movies. It's kind of the best way to put it. By the way, real quick, let's go back to this. So, uh, $14 million budget for this. This movie was a, this movie was a, a pretty good success. $100 million at the box yeah. office. Yeah, it said $100 million at the box office, but only 51 of it was made in the U.S. So that makes me think that a lot of hmm. it was probably made back in Canada where, you know, this movie was, you know, a cult classic when, yeah. it, when it, you know, came out in 1981. So hmm. our neighbors up north are big fans of hockey, Molson, <laughs> and My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> uh, directed by Patrick Lussier. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. He... He's really mainly known for his editing. He edited a lot of Wes Craven movies, actually. Do you right. have to, do, um, and after this movie was made, he was actually set to direct um, Halloween 3, a sequel to Rob Zombie's um, uh, second movie. Um, yeah, they actually talk about it in uh, the new book I just got, uh, Taking Shape Part 2. Um, you know, the book about all the unmade Halloween sequels. It's a pretty damn good book, too, so I recommend it to uh, anyone. Whether you're like a big time reader or not, um, yeah. as long as you're a slasher and Halloween and Michael Myers fan, then you'll love this book. Good stuff. Hey, do you, do you have the Rotten Tomatoes scores for the original? They gave uh, the critics gave it a fifty four uh, percent, and the audience gave it a fifty two. So they agreed. You know, pretty mediocre movie. And then the 09 remake, I do have that. It's sixty one. Pre- that seems high, dude. By the way, that, that seems very high. Sixty one percent. Remake yeah. in 2009 to get a 61%. That's insane. Dude, if this was like a 31 or 41, I, would, I wouldn't think twice. It's, you yeah, wouldn't think an eye, yeah. I think, 61 yeah, that, is, uh, yeah. yeah, that's awfully high. Especially, I think, like, Black Christmas, like, 74 has, like, you know, has around that, like, has around, like, a high 60s. Uh, that's crazy. What did critics it's, like so much about this movie? I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's kind of confusing. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's hard to see what the hell they saw in this um it's not a bad movie by any means but it's definitely not a critic you know it's definitely not a critics movie all right man that'll do it so just to recap that's a 46 out of 100 overall for the my bloody valentine remake from 09 and a let's see 39 for the original 1981 on that note, we will let you guys go. We'll be back in a couple of weeks talking about uh, Winter Isolation Movies Part 2. And it'll be the uh, Stephen King edition, Misery and The Shining. I haven't seen Misery in a long time. I need to revisit that. Been a while, yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to that. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.